Hey, this is Zach Moss with the Indianapolis Coast, and you listen to the Fantasy Points Podcast. It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. I'm Joe Dolan, and welcome back to the Franchise Focus Podcast series on the Fantasy Points Podcast Network. We continue the Franchise Focus Podcast series with our third division, that being the AFC South. I've already previewed the AFC East and the AFC North. I hope everybody enjoyed those podcasts as much as I did. I hope everybody learned as much as I did, and I hope everyone was entertained as much as I did breaking down those two divisions. We have eight teams down following this round of podcasts. We'll have 12, and honestly, we're just going to keep on going until we're 32 down We're going to break them down alphabetically by division, so the AFC South will begin with the Houston Texans, then the Indianapolis Colts, then the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then finally the Tennessee Titans. So thank you for continuing to support the podcast uh, series. I hope uh, this is something that you'll make part of your pre-draft routine in 2023, your pre-training camp routine. Maybe you're doing best ball drafts right now and you're taking these nuggets to heart as I am. So thanks everybody for continuing to listen and let's continue with our breakdown of the AFC South. We have another returning guest for this 2023 edition of the Franchise Focus Podcast. We're going to be talking Colts with Kevin Bowen. He is the host of Kevin and Query from 7 to 10 a.m. on 107.5 The Fan. He covers the Colts for 107.5 and is entering his 13th season covering the Indianapolis Colts. You can follow him on Twitter at KBowen1070. Kevin, thanks for rejoining me on the Franchise Focus podcast after an appearance last year. A lot of new stuff to talk about with the Indianapolis Colts, though. Yeah, no shortage of entertainment for the Colts here this offseason yeah. and even last year as well. So appreciate you having me back on and making this an annual thing, Joe. So I wanted to start with with the overarching kind of the kind of the macro uh, with the Indianapolis Colts, and that is the culture change, the coaching change with Shane Steichen coming in. What? How much different is he from whatever it was that the Colts were doing last year? And what what kind of vibe have you gotten from Shane Steichen and and his uh, the way he's going to work with the Colts this year? Yeah, I think the biggest appeal is certainly his quarterback background, and I know that that gets maybe a little bit into a specific position, but. When you've had the revolving door at that position like they've had since, you know, really Andrew Luck's shoulder issues first started to develop around 2015, 2016, um, it was needed. And, and you look at the variety of quarterbacks that Shane's worked with directly, obviously the, the play caller for Justin Herbert in that rookie season, and then Jalen Hurts each of the last couple of years once Nick Sirianni uh, kind of handed those keys over to him. That is what made this very attractive. It was an awful offense last season. And you just needed, I think, a little bit of injection of life. And as I say, Frank Reich was a poor offensive coach, but I think, you know, his message and kind of his style had just reached a bit of a stale point, and that's not all to blame. I think there's personnel issues um, that were on this roster that contributed to 4-12-1 as well. Um, so I think it was much-needed reset. You get the young offensive mind in here, you make the splash at quarterback, and you see what that marriage can do here for the next five to ten years. Obviously, Anthony Richardson was the top five pick in the NFL draft. And, and you know, there was, get, there was a point where he was getting some number one overall hype. What have you seen from Anthony Richardson so far uh, in OTAs and minicamps? Yeah, I'll credit my colleague James Boyd. I thought he had a really good comment about watching him in the spring. 
oftentimes the best throw of the day was Anthony Richardson's, but the best day was probably Gardner Minshew. Mm. Um, and that I think makes a lot of sense. The flash is there. The consistency is not. Now, having said that, I don't walk out of the spring and full caveat. It's the spring. It's a handful of open sessions to the media guys like Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce and Josh Downs and, you know, Jelani Woods and Jonathan Taylor, all of them were banged up at different parts or for the entire spring. But I don't think I walked away thinking, oh, my gosh, Gardner Minshew is light years ahead of Anthony Richardson. Um, and, and now that gets into the, the debate, Joe, of how much you play Richardson and how early you, you play him because we haven't seen a prospect drafted four overall with 13 career starts from a college standpoint. I'm a believer that you throw him into the fire. I get a little vibe from Shane Steichen and Jim Irsay that they are open-minded to that. And, you know, when you exit the spring and you don't see a big separation, in my mind, this is when we should see the big separation because it is Richardson's first time on an NFL practice field. It's purely passing. You know, yes, there are run plays that you have, but it's not like you're really, you know, obviously you're not taking quarterbacks to the ground, et cetera, et cetera. And that's an element of Richard's game that he obviously will, will incorporate. And, you know, there's an argument to be made of when he does incorporate that, he's going to be a pretty instant impact guy from an NFL standpoint. So, um, again, stringing that consistency together will be important for Richardson, but I don't get a vibe that the playbook or the NFL scene is too big for him from an emotional kind of mental standpoint. Obviously, physical questions about his accuracy are fair to be had and, and ones that I don't think you can truly ga- get an answer on until more practice time and certainly games. Uh, so I, 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 I've made the comment all offseason that um... – when when people ask me how many games do I expect Gardner Minshew to start, my initial reaction is, do you know who the owner of the Indianapolis Colts is? <laughs> um, uh, I kind of get the vibe that Jim Irsay wants to play with his new toy, um, but the coaching change does give me a little bit of pause there, and I presume, at least at this point, that decision will be entirely Shane Steichen's. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly when you think about Irsay and Steichen, Joe, right after the draft, they made it very clear that they were open-minded to playing Anthony Richardson early. Um, you know, I think when you view positions in sports, I would argue there's not one that differs more from practice than a game than, than quarterback. You literally wear a different color jersey when it comes to practice time. So, uh, you know, Shane Steichen's history with a variety of different quarterbacks, I think, is appealing. And, you know, I kind of view it like it's not like you need to empty the playbook week one. You can be very selective in what Anthony Richardson does well and, you know, try to kind of throw him into those different settings. And, I don't think you get a true answer or true gauge on it until you're able to put him out there in uncontrolled settings. Again, I don't view Richardson as this guy that you're going to break mentally if you put him out there. It's not like they have a young offensive line that you want to see gel together. It's a veteran offensive line in over half the spots. So um, that, to me, wouldn't be as much of an issue. Um, So I think you throw him in there and – you certainly try to get an answer on him because this is a guy that, again, brings a resume in the NFL, unlike anything we've really ever seen. So um, last year in the fantasy football circles, Jonathan Taylor was going basically either the first or second pick of every draft. Guy guy gets a couple of injuries for the first time in his life, and now it feels like everybody's forgetting about him. He's falling frequently to second rounds of drafts. Um, I wanted to get kind of a look into, A, number one, how, how you think Shane Steichen's going to approach the run game. And number two, um, Jonathan Taylor, how did he react mentally to uh, last season, which I'm, which was probably the most trying season of his entire life? Yeah, injuries are not something Taylor's ever had to deal with. I mean, dating back to his Wisconsin days, dating back to his high school days in New Jersey. So, you know, first ever time having a surgery, um, you know, missed the entire spring offseason program, 
we'll obviously kind of see where he's at come come the start of training camp. You know, whenever they turn the keys over to Richardson, Joe, you would think the Richardson-Taylor duo would be one of the more dynamic, you know, rushing duos in the NFL. And the Colts finally, I think, have a presence at quarterback to where, you know, you got to think twice about, you know, committing all your resources to Taylor and stopping the run game. You know, what will that do to his yards per carry? I, I think it's got to raise it a little bit. Now, does it limit some of his touches? You know, does it limit some of his red zone opportunities? Those are probably fair questions to be asked. But again, I think from an efficiency standpoint, you would like to think things would would rise. You know, the question with Taylor um, from a fantasy standpoint, I think has always been kind of his third down role. It, it, it didn't seem like that was a, a huge part of really it hasn't been a huge part at all in his career. And there have been some moments in pass protection or catch the ball out of the backfield where, you know, there's a reason why Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey make the money that they do. Um, I think something that, you know, maybe not have a ton of fantasy impact, but it's something worth to watch. You know, what do they do with this Jonathan Taylor contract extension? Um, in, in all likelihood, he's going to get one from the team, but when does that happen? Does it happen before the start of the season? Does he play out a contract year? Obviously, he'd be pretty high. I think he's a pretty highly motivated individual to begin with, but he'd be really highly motivated if he is playing in a contract here this season. So um, as long as that ankle injury is good to go, I see no reason why you wouldn't take Taylor very high even if you're starting a rookie quarterback and, and you could have teams lo- load in the box. If there's a second running back who's going to emerge with some sort of role here, uh, who would you anticipate it being? The Colts did not make a huge investment in this in this position this offseason, spending just a fifth-round pick on Evan Hall, uh, traded for Zach Moss last year. If one of those backs emerges behind Taylor, who do you think it would be? Yeah, You know, it's probably Moss from a first and second down standpoint. If I'm not mistaken, I think Moss had a 100-yard game to end last season when Taylor was out. Uh, and then you brought up Evan Hall. You know, what exactly does that third down role look like? Is it something they still want to give Taylor opportunities at? Or does a kid from Northwestern who had, you know, a good amount of catch numbers in college, does he, you know, play a little bit more in that role? I mean, think about Taylor, and you would know this better than I, Joe. I mean, outside of Derrick Henry, I can't imagine there's too many running backs in the NFL that just have a higher percentage of usage compared to the other running backs on the roster than, than him. They have not been very, you know, running back – by committee, understandably. Now, of course, Shane Steichen comes from a team that did a little bit more of that. Um, but, yeah, I would have to say first and second down duties, Moss, you get into third down. I think that's where Hole is. Uh, let's move on over to the wide receiver position. There's a lot of interesting names for the Colts, but I'm not sure how much production there is here. Michael Pittman coming off, I think, a very quietly solid season. Um, but – it just feels like the quarterback position, maybe some of the play calling just limited the upside there. What do the Colts like about this receiving group? Is there, is there areas that you think they need to improve? Yeah, I mean, certainly the size of the first two guys. When you talk about Pittman, you talk about Alec Pierce. You know, Pierce in particular, you know, it's not like he had a ton of catches in his rookie season, but when he did, it was often winning 50-50 balls outside the numbers, and that is something that Anthony Richardson – excels in is throwing the ball vertically you know the working on kind of the short intermediate stuff but again when they turn to Richardson that seems to be an area that you know he has a a strength in uh you know for for Pittman I think he's another guy that isn't in a contract here is he a legit number one how do you define legit number one you know fantasy wise probably not when you consider the amount of touchdowns he's had in his career but you know if you're his agent and you look at the yardage Michael Pittman's had over the last two years it's probably top 25 in the NFL and look at the quarterbacks that have thrown him the football. I mean, the Colts have told you what they've thought about Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles, et cetera, et cetera. So 
if and when they ever settle on a quarterback and it becomes, you know, a, a consistent presence, does that mean, you know, more for Pittman? Um, again, he's dealing with a hip injury that battled him last year. So that's something to keep an eye on as the offseason unfolds. He did not participate in the spring. But right now I put those two atop the depth chart. And then rookie Josh Downs out of North Carolina, third-round pick, had a really nice rookie minicamp. You know, he's probably in a little bit more of a, you know, kind of death by a thousand paper cut role, you know, just kind of a high catch guy. If, you know, he is going to be that full-time slot. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie, Ashton Doolin, some other names I don't think are worth noting just yet, um, particularly when you don't expect a very potent passing offense. But I would say Pittman, Pierce, the one and two. And then right now in that slot role, uh, I would think would be the rookie downs. Uh, I just talked to Zach Moss actually this week, and and he mentioned that Alec Pierce hadn't done a ton in mini camps, hadn't seen a ton from him. Is there something wrong with him? Is he just uh, coming off of some dings and dents? Yeah, he was dealing with a little bit of a foot issue, more so in May. He did participate here in June. Um, so of, of the skill guys, it was kind of a bummer in general. You know, it was a very very banged up pass catching group throughout the offseason program. So for both Minshew and Richardson, you know, it, it, a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of you know how. Yeah chemistry wise they were able to build with those guys you know I think one of the reasons a lot of folks were optimistic about this team I I guess maybe when Andrew Luck just made the shocking decision to retire was the strength of the offensive line and I think there was a point just a couple years ago we were talking about the Colts having the best offensive line in football it's kind of become a hodgepodge unit since then. What 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 is the outlook for the offensive line this year? We know Quentin Nelson's great. That that's not a, that's not a question. But Raymond, the, the rookie last year, had some struggles. What what's their outlook up front? Yeah, they did not make any notable personnel changes. They drafted Blake Freeland around four, but outside of that, Joe, it's the same five man group that ended last year together. So I, I think the message is we feel like these guys, their resumes, the back of their baseball cards, if you will, they'll show out and we'll make a coaching change. And Tony Sperano Jr. is their new offensive line coach. It's his first time in the NFL leading um, an offensive line unit. So that is the plan of keeping Bernard, Bernard Ryan going into year two, who I did think played better as the year moved along. Um, and then obviously Quentin Nelson, a left guard, Ryan Kelly at center. Their right guard is Will Fries, former seventh round pick. And the right tackle is Braden Smith, who's been pretty solid throughout his NFL career. So uh, they are bullish that this is a group that's going to rebound. Again, Chris Ballard, their GM, said personnel-wise, feel good about it. We'll make a coaching change. And they've got to support their quarterback better. Um, yeah. They haven't gotten great quarterback you know, play in general. But I don't think what they've promised these quarterbacks, whether it was Wentz or Matt Ryan, I don't think they've held up their end of the bargain either. So uh, offensive line-wise – I mean, unless they go out and sign a guard here before the start of camp, they're basically saying we saw some individual strides late last season, and we feel like a coaching change is going to help that group out. And do you feel like this is a legitimate quarterback competition heading into training camp, that either guy could win this, Minshew or Richardson? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, again, I've been kind of bullish on play Richardson, and the early returns I thought indicated that they were open-minded to that. If you want to nitpick here in the spring – it seemed like it was maybe a slight edge to Minshew. He certainly was like the initial starter in the practices that we watched. There were days where he took all the starting reps. There were days where they split them. And, you know, on the days that he took the starting, all the starting reps, Shane Steichen was quick to point out, well, it's just because you guys are only out here one day a week. You know, there are other days where, you know, things could change. So when training camp gets underway, obviously we're able to watch every practice then. So you get a clearer picture on that. But, Uh, I don't think they are like gung-ho on one way or the other just yet.
I am looking forward. Uh, everybody go to Twitter at KBowen1070 because uh, you're going to be getting the, the Gardner Minshew <laughs> versus Anthony Richardson stats. Always love the quarterback battle stats. Uh, Kevin, before I let you go, I've been asking all of my guests here on the Franchise Focus podcast, maybe one under-the-radar player on the Colts roster who could make a, make a fantasy impact. I, I know You told me who it is, and it's a guy I've been drafting in like the last round of my best ball drafts. It's a guy I'm excited about. Uh, who do you think it is? Yeah, I'm going to go with Jelani Woods, the second year tied in out of out of Virginia. You know, the Colts were not on primetime very often last year. The one time they were on Monday Night Football, uh, Jelani Woods had a big game against Pittsburgh. And then of the many head-scratching things from the Colts last season, he barely played the next two games. And I, I just feel like from a second-year jump, um, you know, he admittedly had moments in training camp last year where he looked a bit lost and kind of like, oh, is this going to be a redshirt year? Um, I think he feels much, much more comfortable here in year two, I think you, sometimes when you play young quarterbacks, you see a comfortability with former or with you know, tight ends. Um, you know, in, in the Woods case, he's a former quarterback. So I don't know if, you know, that, that'll help things out and forming a, a relationship with Anthony Richardson. But uh, that tight end room has no true number one. I don't think Moali Cox qualifies as that. Uh, they drafted Woods in the third round for a reason. They obviously thought highly of him. And again, he had some flashes. Um, he had games where his only catches were touchdowns. So I just seem like he showed something in that Pittsburgh game that, again, head-scratching-wise, the coaching staff just didn't want to tap into or didn't try to tap into that much the rest of the year. And obviously Shane Steichen comes from a background with a lot of tight end usage. So um, I think that that would be the guy that I'd qualify as a potential breakout. Under Jim Mercer, the Indianapolis Colts are never boring, and that's always good for the ratings for Kevin and Query. 7 to 10 a.m. on <laughs> 107.5, the fan. and But, but this year – the, the fans are probably listening with more of an optimistic ear than the tear-it-all-down ear they were listening with last year. I'm not sure which one's more fun for you, though, Kevin, but I, I'm, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing you're feeling a little less vitriol from the fans this year. That's a very good way to put it. I would not have said that last October or November. Yeah. Uh, but what they have done, Joe, is they've created an ounce of hope. And, and the franchise has not had hope at the most important position in sports in quite some time. And – that's what you got to do in this league. I mean, look at the AFC last year. Seven playoff teams and all seven of those quarterbacks, age 27 or younger. It is a golden era type of time in this conference. It's a young quarterback type of time in this conference. You better get in the fast lane or run off. And it's, an, and it's, a, it's a very intriguing prospect. Uh, obviously, a lot of things have got to go right. You've got to support him. But uh, at least it is an attempt at hope. And the AFC South has got a little bit of hope everywhere now, which yeah. – it's not something that you typically say about that division either. Yeah, I talked to Cody Stutes. I don't know if you know Cody from uh, ESPN Radio Houston. He was fired up to talk Texans. I was like, last year it was like a <laughs> funeral, man. <laughs> like, like, So there is there is hope everywhere, um, especially with Jacksonville. But, Kevin, it's been great having you on the, the show. Again, at KBowen1070 on Twitter. Uh, and he covers the Colts for 107.5 there in Indianapolis. Kevin, thanks for joining me on the Franchise Focus podcast. It was great talking to you. Always enjoy it, Joe. Have a great rest of the summer, man. And I'll, I will be talking Jacksonville Jaguars with John Shipley on tomorrow's podcast. Fantastic uh, having him on. Thank you, guys, Kevin, so much. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you later on the Franchise Focus Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.